0: Thank you for joining us around the fire. For more information or to make a donation, please visit randomactnetwork.com. Now, want to hear a scary story?
1: One of the greatest and suddenest storms on record has just been experienced here. It was foretold by an old fisherman who had for half a century kept watch of the weather from the east cliff. More than one captain made up his mind that his boat would remain in the harbor till the storm had passed. There was a lovely sunset, and the wind fell away entirely during the evening. By midnight, there was a dead calm, a sultry heat, and the approach of thunder. There were but few lights in sight at sea. The only sail noticeable was a foreign schooner, with all sails set seemingly going westwards. Efforts were made to signal her to reduce sail in the face of her danger, but as the night shut down, she was last seen with sails idly flapping as she gently rolled on the swell of the sea. A little after midnight came a strange sound from over the sea, and high overhead the air began to carry a strange, faint, hollow, booming. Then, without warning, the tempest broke. With a rapidity that is impossible to realize, the whole aspect of nature at once became convulsed. The waves rose in growing fury, each overtopping its fellow like a roaring and devouring monster. White-crested waves beat madly on the sands and cliffs, others broke over the piers, crashing against the lighthouses at either end of the harbor. The sea ran mountains high, throwing each wave skywards for the tempest to snatch and whirl away into space. The wind roared like thunder, and it was found necessary to clear the entire pier of onlookers. Adding to the difficulties and dangers, masses of sea fog came drifting inland, White, wet clouds which swept by in ghostly fashion, so dank and damp and cold that it felt as if the spirits of those lost at sea had arrived to touch their living brethren with the clammy hands of death. Before long, the searchlight discovered some distance away a schooner with all sails set, the same vessel which had been noticed earlier. Between her and the port lay the great, flat reef on which many ships had suffered, and it would be quite impossible that she could find the entrance of the harbor with the winds blowing as they were. Then came another rush of sea fog, a mass of dank mist, which seemed to close on all things like a casket. The wind suddenly shifted and the fog melted. Between the piers, the strange schooner leapt from wave to wave as it rushed with headlong speed into the harbor. The vessel drove up onto the sand and the top hammer came crashing down. A shudder ran through all who watched as it came to view. Lashed to the helm was a corpse, head drooping and swinging to and fro with each motion of the ship. No other form could be seen on the deck. The ship, as if by miracle, had found the harbor at the hand of a dead man. Suddenly, an immense dog sprang up on deck from below and jumped to the sand. Making straight for the steep cliff, it disappeared in the darkness. The coast guard on the eastern side of the harbor was the first to climb aboard. By the courtesy of the chief boatman, I was permitted to climb on deck. As the coast guard arrived at the wheel, he recoiled. The man was fastened by his hands, tied one over the other to a spoke of the wheel. Between the inner hand and the wood was a crucifix, the set of beads wrapped around both wrists and the wheel. The coast guard suggested the man tied up his own hands, fastening the knots with his teeth. A doctor declared that he had been dead for at least two days. In the man's pocket was a bottle, carefully corked, empty save for a little roll of paper the haphazard writing made it seem as though the captain had experienced some kind of mania that only became more persistent throughout the voyage. Log of the Demeter, Varna de Whitby.
2: Written 18 July. Things so strange happening that I shall keep accurate note henceforth till we land. On 6 July, we finished taking in cargo, Silver sand and boxes of earth. At noon, set sail. East wind, fresh. Crew, five hands. Two mates, cook and myself, captain. On 11 July, at dawn, entered Bosphorus. Boarded by Turkish customs officers. Baksheesh, All correct. Underway at 4 p.m. On 12 July, through Dardanelles, more customs officers and flagboat of guarding squadron. Backsheesh again. Work of officers thorough but quick. Want us off soon. At dark, passed into archipelago. On 13 July, passed Cape Mattapan. Crew dissatisfied about something. Seemed scared but would not speak out. On 14 July, was somewhat anxious about crew. Men, all steady fellows who sailed with me before. Mate could not make out what was wrong. They only told him there was something, and crossed themselves. Mate lost temper with one of them that day, and struck him. Expected fierce quarrel, but all was quiet. On 16 July, Mate reported in the morning that one of the crew, Petrovsky, was missing. Could not account for it. Took larboard watch eight bells last night was relieved by Amramov, but did not go to bunk. Men more downcast than ever, all said they expected something of the kind, but would not say more than there was something aboard. Mate getting very impatient with them, feared some trouble ahead. On 17 July, yesterday, one of the men, Olgarin came to my cabin, and in an awestruck way, confided to me that he thought there was a strange man aboard the ship. He said that in his watch he had been sheltering behind the deckhouse, as there was a rainstorm, when he saw a tall, thin man, who was not like any of the crew, come up the companionway, and go along the deck forward, and disappear. He followed cautiously, but when he got to the bows found no one, and the hatchways were all closed he was in a panic of superstitious fear and i'm afraid the panic may spread to allay it i shall today search the entire ship carefully from stem to stern later in the day i got together the whole crew and told them as they evidently thought there was someone in the ship we would search from stem to stern first mate angry said it was folly and to yield to such foolish ideas would demoralize the men said he would engage to keep them out of trouble with the hand-spike. I let him take the helm, while the rest began a thorough search, all keeping abreast with lanterns. We left no corner unsearched, men much relieved when search over, and went back to work cheerfully. First mate scowled, but said nothing. 22 July. Rough weather last three days, and all hands busy with sails, no time to be frightened. Men seem to have forgotten their dread. Mate cheerful again, and all on good terms. Praised men for work in bad weather. Past Gibraltar and out through straits. All well. 24 July. There seems some doom over this ship. Already a hand short and entering the Bay of Biscay with wild weather ahead, and yet last night another man lost, disappeared like the first he came off his watch and was not seen again men all in a panic of fear sent around Robin asking to have double watch as they fear to be alone mate angry fear there will be some trouble as either he or the men will do some violence 28 July four days in hell knocking about in a sort of maelstrom and the wind a tempest no sleep for anyone Men all worn out. Hardly know how to set a watch since no one fit to go on. Second mate volunteered to steer and watch and let men snatch a few hours sleep. Wind abating, seas still terrific, but feel them less as ship is steadier. 29 July. Another tragedy. Had single watch tonight as crew too tired to double. When morning watch came on deck could find no one except steersman. Raised outcry and all came on deck. Thorough search but no one found. Are now without second mate and crew in a panic. Mate and I agreed to go armed henceforth and wait for any sign of cause. 30 July, last night. Rejoiced we are nearing England. Weather fine, all sails set. Retired, worn out, slept soundly, awakened by mate telling me that both man of watch and steersman missing. Only self and mate, and two hands left, to work ship. 1 August. Two days of fog and not a sail sighted. Had hoped when in the English Channel to be able to signal for help or get in somewhere. Not having power to work sails, have to run before wind. Dare not lower, as could not raise them again. We seem to be drifting to some terrible doom, mate now more demoralized than either of men. His stronger nature seems to have worked inwardly against himself. Men are beyond fear, working stolidly and patiently with minds made up to worst. They are Russian, he Romanian. 2 August, midnight. Woke up from few minutes sleep by hearing a cry, seemingly outside my port. Could see nothing in fog rushed on deck and ran against mate tells me he heard cry and ran but no sign of man on watch one more gone lord help us mate says we must be past straits of dover as in a moment of fog lifting he saw north foreland just as he heard the man cry out if so we are now off in the north sea and only god can guide us in the fog which seems to move with us and god seems to have deserted us 3 august at midnight i went to relieve the man at the wheel and when i got to it found no one there the wind was steady and as we ran before it there was no yawing i dared not leave it so shouted for the mate after a few seconds he rushed up on deck in his flannels he looked wild-eyed and haggard and i greatly fear his reason has given way He came close to me and whispered hoarsely with his mouth to my ear, as though fearing the very air might hear. It is here, I know it now. On the watch last night I saw it, like a man, tall and thin and ghastly pale. It was in the bows and looking out. I crept behind it and gave it my knife, but the knife went through it, empty as the air. And as he spoke, he took the knife and drove it savagely into space. Then he went on. But it is here, and I'll find it. It is in the hole, perhaps in one of those boxes. I'll unscrew them one by one and see. You work the helm. And with a warning look, and his finger on his lip, he went below. There was springing up a choppy wind, and I could not leave the helm. I saw him come out on deck again with a tool chest and lantern and go down the forward hatchway. He is mad, stark, raving mad, and it's no use my trying to stop him. So here I stay and mind the helm and write these notes. I can only trust in God and wait till the fog clears. Then, if I can't steer to any harbor with the wind that is, I shall cut down sails and lie by and signal for help. It is nearly over now just as I was beginning to hope that the mate would come out calmer, for I heard him knocking away at something in the hold, and work is good for him. There came up the hatchway a sudden, startled scream which made my blood run cold. And up the deck he came, as if shot from a gun, a raging madman with his eyes rolling and his face convulsed with fear. Save me! Save me! he cried, and then looked around on the blanket of fog. His horror turned to despair, and in a steady voice he said, "'You had better come too, Captain, before it is too late. "'He's there. I know the secret now. "'The sea will save me from him, and it's all that is left.' Before I could say a word or move forward to seize him, he sprang on the bulwark and deliberately threw himself into the sea. I suppose I know the secret too now. It was this madman who had got rid of the men one by one, and now he has followed them himself. God help me. How am I to account for all these horrors when I get to port? Will that ever be? 4 August Still fog, which the sunrise cannot pierce. I know there is sunrise because I'm a sailor. Why else I know not? I dared not go below. I dared not leave the helm, so here all night I stayed and in the dimness of the night I saw it, him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like a man. To die like a sailor in blue water, no man can object. But I am captain, and I must not leave my ship. But I shall baffle this fiend or monster, for I shall tie my hands to the wheel when my strength begins to fail, and along with them I shall tie that which he, it, dare not touch. And then, come good wind or foul, I shall save my soul and my honor as captain. I am growing weaker, and the night is coming on. If he can look me in the face again, I may not have time to act. If we are wrecked, mayhap this bottle may be found, and those who find it may understand. If not, well then, all men shall know that I have been true to my trust. God and the Blessed Virgin and the saints help a poor, ignorant soul trying to do
1: his duty. Of course, the verdict was an open one. There was no evidence whether or not the man himself had committed the murders. The town held almost universally that the captain was simply a hero, And a public funeral was arranged. Every boat in the harbor seemed to be there, and the coffin was carried by captains all the way up to the churchyard. One morning, a large mastiff belonging to a coal merchant nearby was found dead in the roadway. Its throat was torn away, and its belly was slit open as if by savage claws. A good deal of interest was abroad concerning the great dog which landed when the ship struck, but no trace was ever found of the creature. It had become yet another mystery of the sea.
0: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news...